Good morning, Faith family. <laughs> I wish I was with you right now in worship, but as you might have noticed on the prayer chain this week, the Womack family had a visit paid to our household this week, COVID. <laughs> uh, as I sit here on Saturday afternoon recording this message for you, I am the last man standing. Still not testing positive, but I'm beginning to feel really sick. And so rather than expose any of you to that today, I wanted to just record a message for you so that that can be one portion of your worship and then we'll heal up and we'll see you sometime soon. So we're continuing in our series in the book of Philippians. Today we're going to be in Philippians 2 verses 19 through 30. And so I invite you to join me there in your Bibles if you have them. But as you're looking up the verse, I have a question for you. What does it mean to say seeing is believing? Or put another way, I'll believe it when I see it. Well, it means that some kind of a claim has been made and it's bold enough that evidence is required. We'd like to see that evidence with our own eyes. Maybe it's a politician's economic plan that seems too good to be true or campaign promises they've made. Maybe word of someone who was previously untrustworthy and we have trouble trusting them this time around. Maybe it's the description of something that's never been done before or something that defies the laws of physics. Or maybe what's being promised is exactly what we want, but it just seems too good to be true. We want data to support the theory. We want case studies that prove that it's real. We want to see truth come alive before our eyes. And when it comes to ultimate things, issues of faith and eternity, we want to see before and after. We want to see people's lives transformed by the truth that faith can bring. Paul talks about these sorts of things in our text today. Philippians 2 verses 19 through 30 I'll begin reading in verse 19. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, that I also may be cheered when I receive news about you. I have no one else like him who will show genuine concern for your welfare. For everyone looks out for their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know that Timothy has proved himself, because as a son with his father, he has served with me in the work of the gospel. I hope, therefore, to send him as soon as I see how things go with me, and I'm confident in the Lord that I myself will come soon. But I think it necessary to send back to you Epaphroditus, my brother, co-worker, and fellow soldier, who is also your messenger, whom you sent to take care of my needs. For he longs for all of you, and is distressed because you heard he was ill. Indeed, he was ill and almost died, but God had mercy on him. And not on him only, but also on me, to spare me sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore, I am all the more eager to send him, so that when you see him again, you may be glad, and I may have less anxiety. So then welcome him in the Lord's great joy, and honor people like him, because he almost died for the work of Christ. He risked his life to make up for the help you yourselves could not give me. Please pray with me for a moment. God, we are so thankful to you for your presence in this world and your presence in each of our lives. We're thankful as well for the gift of Scripture and the example that Paul provides of what it looks like to live out our faith in this world. I ask that in these next few minutes, as we focus upon these verses, you give us eyes to see just what you want us to see. Give us hearts that are soft and ready to receive whatever you choose to reveal. 
and give us conviction that's strong so that we can apply what we see and understand to the way we live every day. I pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, Paul makes a couple personal references in this morning's verses. Uh, I still remember the day that I got the chance to call a man named Tony Campolo on a personal reference call. We were in a search for a youth pastor at a previous church where I served, and Tony Campolo was listed as one of the personal references. I jumped at the chance to be the one to make the call, mostly because I was excited to talk to Tony a little bit. Well, I got on a phone call with him, and if you've ever seen his energy when he communicates, it was twice that on the phone call. He was bubbling over with energy. I could hardly keep up with the conversation itself. And I distinctly remember we got just a little ways into the phone call, and he said to me, why are we even talking right now? Why don't you just hire this guy before someone else does? He gave a glowing personal reference and we went ahead and hired the guy and it was a wonderful choice. It was so fun to be able to rely on Tony's recommendation and feel confidence in doing that. In today's scripture, Paul does essentially the same thing for two of his fellow brothers in Christ. He takes the time to describe for us the power of God at work in human lives. He starts with Timothy in verses 19 through 24. Paul states his desire to send Timothy to Philippi soon. The Christians there already knew Timothy. He had come to faith during Paul's first missionary journey, but then joined the second journey and on that journey got to know the Philippian church. Paul commends Timothy to the Philippian believers. Look what he says. He says, I have no one else like him. Literally, Paul is saying there is no one of equal soul to Timothy. He is unlike anyone else. Paul is giving a glowing review, desiring to send him back to these Philippian Christians. Paul goes on and says he takes a genuine interest in your welfare. Timothy is living out what Paul talked about in chapter 2, verse 4. In humility, consider others better than yourselves. Paul says, when I send Timothy to you, he's going to care for you in this way. He cares like no one else that I know. Finally, Paul says, Timothy has proved himself. He has a proven track record laboring alongside Paul, and they have this beautiful father-son type relationship. You can hear it in the way Paul describes him. It was a beautiful mentoring connection. And seeing is believing. Timothy's life has been and will continue to be living proof of what the Holy Spirit can do in a human life. Paul promises to send Timothy to them soon. But until then, he's going to send Epaphroditus. He speaks of Epaphroditus in verses 25 to 30. Paul will send one of their own. Epaphroditus had been sent by them with a financial gift to Paul, and he was meant to stay with Paul. They meant for him to labor there alongside Paul, supplying any of the needs that they were unable to supply since they were far away. Epaphroditus would now be coming home early, and Paul wants to be sure that they know it's an honorable discharge. He hasn't done anything wrong. Paul isn't upset. In fact, Paul thinks it will be a comfort to Epaphroditus and a comfort to them if he can reunite them. And Paul commends Epaphroditus to the Philippians. Look at what he says. He calls him my brother 
This is a term of affection, the way Paul's using it. It is a fact. Brothers and sisters in Christ are made family, united in that way. But you can just sense the way that Paul says it. There was a brotherly connection between the two. Paul also calls him fellow worker, literally sharer of labor. He's a relational model of what it looks like for two people to work together for kingdom purposes in the world. And it also becomes a model of what combined effort will look like among churches as the churches continue to spread and grow. Finally, Paul calls him a fellow soldier, literally a sharer of danger. They had labored alongside one another under threat of harm. And yet, Epaphroditus continued to do the work, even in the face of injury, in the face of threats, and in the face of failing health as well. And seeing is believing. Epaphroditus' life has been and will be living proof of what the Spirit can do in a human life. Paul is thrilled to send him back to the Philippian believers. Seeing is believing. What we're talking about today isn't scientific data. It's the evidence of a changed life. It's looking at someone, the way they hold themselves, the way they interact in this world, the way they love and the way they serve, and being able to see by the way they do all of those things that their life is being transformed. That they not only are familiar with God or have come to faith in God, but the Spirit has been let loose in their life and is changing who they are and changing the way they operate in this world. And so seeing and believing is just as relevant today as it was when Paul was making these references to the Philippian Christians. In fact, you might even argue that it's more important than ever because we've become so accustomed to deception in this world. We're so accustomed to people spinning the facts. We're so accustomed to people misleading us at every turn. All of us would benefit from seeing lives around us that are being transformed in this way. This whole idea makes me think back 2,000 years to another man who said, I'll believe it when I see it. We've talked about Doubting Thomas before. The one person who wasn't there when Jesus made his first post-resurrection appearance. And he demanded that he see Jesus with his own eyes to believe that Jesus had actually risen from the grave. And he gets a bad rap because asking for that type of proof was not a problem at all. Everybody else in the room had already seen Jesus. All he was asking for was what everyone else had already seen. And I think Thomas becomes a great example for us in the world today. We know that the people around us, especially those who do not know Christ, they want to be able to see what this faith can do. They want to be able to see the value of reading the scriptures and living in the Jesus way before they decide whether or not it's even worth their time. It's not about answering all the difficult questions uh, defining for them why there's evil in the world, defining for them um, how everything was created, all those difficult questions, those aren't really what's at issue. People want to see a life that's changed, a person that lives and loves the way Jesus did, and that seeing then can become believing in the lives of the, of the, lives of the people around us. Perhaps seeing the living proof of what the Spirit can do in a human life is the only way anyone would believe in this world. And so how about it? We are a loving church here at Fletcher Hills. We're good at that. We're good at welcoming people. We're good at serving people. 
Uh, I'm so proud to be a part of a church that does all of this so well. But let's take the inspiration that Paul provides here. This idea that if someone wrote a reference for us, it would be just as enthusiastic and just as glowing. And let's let our living in this world, among our friends, our family, our neighbors, our, our workplaces, our schools, wherever we find ourselves, let's let this Jesus living we're doing be seen by everybody around us. And when they see what Jesus has done for us, may they come to faith because seeing is believing. Please pray with me. Lord God, we desire to show people what you're like. We desire to live in a beautiful, loving way in this world that shows you to the people around us. It's not about having every answer. It's not about knowing every Bible verse. God, so much of it is in showing people what you are like by the simple ways that we love and serve. And so please help us as Fletcher Hills Presbyterian Church to be known for that in our community, to be known for the way that we encourage and love and serve. And as people see the way we live, may they see you and may it lead them to a belief in you. I pray all of these things now in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Holy Spirit. Amen.